Hello and welcome to the Michael Mama Show. I'm your host, Michael Mamas, and we're coming to you from a rainy Mount Soma in the mountains of uh, Western North Carolina, home of the uh, Sri Sameshwara Temple. I'm here today with Scotty, Scott Davalos, and uh, today we're going to do something a little different. You know, we've been, uh, so much has gone on in the world. You know, we've been talking about the world situation and the the border and blah, 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 viruses on and on and on. And uh, I just felt the need to do that because we're in such a major transitional stage now. But just watching it all, I think we've we've hit the point now where that transition is happening. We're, we're in a shift. It's going to happen. And uh, uh, so I think it's a, a good time then to take a look at uh, – where we're headed, what our future is going to be like. And so it's really, it's based, you know, who, who are those guys, Scott, you were talking about those two guys, you sent me a link. Um, oh, it was Lex, Lex uh, Freeman. Lex Freeman. And then there's some astrophysicist. I, I didn't know who he was. I knew Lex Freeman, but he had a guest who was a, um, an astrophysicist. What's the deal on Lex Freeman? What what's uh, what's um, his general shtick? You know, um, for, you know, I've seen him. He's just he's a super smart guy, and he's had some really big. Uh, he's a computer scientist. Uh, that um, makes sense from the little I watched of him. That makes sense. Yeah, and um, he's been doing a podcast and really. Uh, you know, getting a bunch of people on. I mean, he's had like Elon Musk on. No kidding. No, that? I mean, he's. Yeah. Because you know. know what? He was coming up. Was He He was the older guy in the podcast I saw, right? Which one No, was he's last? the younger guy. Oh, he was the younger guy. They were coming up. Oh, so it was the older guy, I think. But anyway, they were coming up with these models of the construct of the universe. And uh, just to be, you know, honest, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say it that bluntly, but that's just how I felt, you know? And uh, uh, it's amazing to me that there's such a thing as Vedic cognition and uh, the knowledge of the ancients and how they built pyramids. If you believe a small fraction of the historical accounts of things that have been done in ancient times, and uh, also the remains of some of the incredible temples and, and uh, pyramids, of course, and things like that, that are still there that we cannot, we have no idea how they did. It's obvious that there's a technology that um, was prevalent that we no longer know about. And those principles are there. It's not la la land. It's not hocus pocus. They're principles of uh, the nature of existence. And so I think what we'll do today, uh, Scotty, I think I'd like to just go through basically, you know, the essence of those principles, the basic axioms, which are really axioms of the nature of existence and also how they came upon those principles. Where did they come from? Where did they get it? And also uh, uh, how they can be applied and how they will be applied in our upcoming future. And, and anyway, we'll go into all that. But the, the first number one axiom really is that... Uh, there's an underlying 
And if you think about it, this is just obvious, really, isn't it, Scott? But there's an underlying, yeah. coherent, self-interacting basis for all existence. And I mean, the intelligence of, you know, everything in the room, everything you're looking at now, technology, flowers, everything. There's obviously life. There's obviously some underlying intelligence that births that, that sustains that. And uh, uh, really, just quite simply, that's the number one axiom. And if we take a look then at the nature of that thing, it's really amazing how some of the modern physicists that are explaining or exploring the nature of the unified field. There was a guy in Berkeley, Scotty, a, uh, astrophysicist. He was Russian, actually. But he said the more he studies, and he was an expert in the field, the more he studies the unified field, the more he realizes that it's just consciousness. It, and that's incredible. Yeah. Isness equals consciousness. I mean, it, it, it takes a while to even wrap your head around that, you know? And it's, it's right there in the, in the uh, Veda, in the Vedic literature, in detail. Consciousness becomes conscious of itself because that's before the universe existed. And so now you got consciousness aware of itself. It perceives it as other. You got two things. It's basically just set theory in mathematics. Consciousness becomes aware of those two things. A third thing is born. You know, because if you have an apple, it's different than a set. You know, they put it in brackets, a set containing an apple. That's like you have consciousness, but then you have consciousness aware of itself, perceived it as other, becomes something different. So two is born out of one. It's all born out of one. So it's a self-interacting dynamic of oneness. And that's what everything is in its essence is that one thing interacting with itself. And if, if you look at the Vedic principles, the dynamism, that whole thing, like, you know, Rishi Devata Chandas, the knower, consciousness, the known, and the process of knowing. So then it becomes like three. And that's Rishi, Chandas, and Devata. Chandas is like the rhythm. It's the structure. It's the pulsation. It's just the vibration, if you will, of the object of perception. And then there's though, there's also a process of knowing. There's the Deva, the the, the You'd say the, the, the nature of the personified process of knowing the David to value. And that's ancient knowledge. And it's, it's the foundation. It's maps onto, you could say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, and Scott, it just, it's amazing to me that that knowledge can be there. And it's amazing how much knowledge gets lost over time. Well, and I, I don't think people can believe it, you know. It's well, Michael, how, yeah. how is it, you know, our consciousness fits into that? It's and a great then the question. separation of our consciousness from that pure, the, the purity. Yeah. Here, there's one consciousness, that's it. But we all interface with that consciousness, tap into that consciousness uh from a different angle you could say and that angle then here's what happens 
in the in the manifestation of existence, consciousness becomes conscious of itself, perceives it as other, duality is born, and it creates this underlying structure. In the, in the West, in Western science, they call that uh, the quantum mechanical realm. Uh, but at any rate, you have this dynamic going on. But what happens is the structure, the nature of the thing, what we're looking at right now in this room, the nature of the thing is so fantastic so incredible that we lose the sense of our own self, that greater consciousness. We lose it to our, the, our perception and our projection and how we view things. And, and that starts to define us more than that own, our own inner being, which is that one consciousness. Is that responsive, Skype? So yeah, so you kind of get lost to this whole just amazement out there and forget that you're really, that is, there is no separation, kind of. Yeah, it is a maze. Yeah. Amazement. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so that's that's how that happens. And, and, and then what happens is, um, well, we, we get off on a tangent here, but... Then we try to fathom and we try to understand it and we create models. We create explanations and there are an infinite number of simultaneously valid, but in a sense, contradictory models. It's not that one's right and the other's wrong. They're just different ways, contradictory ways of viewing the same thing. And those become paradigms. And we get, again, we get amazed by, we get caught up in the paradigm that we've been trained to get, accustomed to and to get proficient at and we keep viewing the world that way and see that's what was happening to those guys too is is when they were talking it was like he he was he was trying to come up with an explanation to explain the whole thing but all you can ever do in terms of that is you're pulling a pattern out of the infinite number of things that you'll never be able to do it and see, that's that's a really great point, Scott, because now with computers and stuff, they're coming up with these these physicists are coming up with these different models of how the universe works. But the the patterns, the structures are so complicated and computers have such incredible crunching power that you can make it look like whatever you want just by tweaking the parameters. You want the shape of the universe to come out looking like an elephant. You can kind of turn a few knobs, you know, and make it look like that. And so the whole thing it becomes unfathomable in the way they're trying to fathom it. Yeah. So that underlying basis, by the way, that underlying basis is, is called Chaitanya. Chaitanya means um, pure consciousness, uh, the transcendent, transcendental level. So it can also sometimes be referred to as Bhavati Tam. Bhava is like ecstasy, you know, bliss, Bhava. And so, it's, it's also beautiful, you know, when it starts to emerge, when Chaitanya interacts with itself and starts to emerge, it becomes so exquisite, we get overwhelmed with the bhava. Sometimes it's even like devotion, because it's just so beautiful. And so we get committed to, you know, whatever perspective, whatever angle we're viewing it from, which is all really interesting. But now, how, now here's the thing. How do we know that? Where am I coming from? How am I coming up with this stuff? Who says so? Where did the Veda come from? 
there are these guys, they were called rishis. Basically, I mean, you could talk about rishis for a long time. And I do in my lectures, but at any rate, basically, rishis are people who have such refined physiologies. You see, we all are that one thing. And, and everything in the universe is that one thing, right? And so therefore, if I'm that one thing and you're that one thing, then you and I are one. And so if you really know what you are in your very deepest essence, that one thing, then you know the fountainhead of all things. And so the point being then that all knowledge exists within you. And that's very different from the way we have tried to pursue knowledge. Generally, we pursue knowledge by looking outside of ourselves. Uh, but there are these guys called rishis. Because you see, we all feel into the self to some degree, don't we? And that's really what devotion and love of God and faith and all that is based upon. We feel it. Somehow we have some inner knowing that there's something there. And we're one with the universe. We're one with God, if you will, you know. But what's the level of refinement of that? Well, Scott, like you were saying, you know, how did you put it? We get caught up in sort of distorted perspectives of the whole thing. We, we, we don't have the clarity. We don't have the resolution of, of heart and mind and physiology to really give full expression to it. Hmm? Yeah. So, so these rishis then had such a fine physiology that they were able to bring their awareness down to that deepest level. And then those fine vibrations of that deepest level of the self-interacting dynamic of oneness, you see, they experience it directly and they allow those subtle pulsations, if you will, to well up through their physiology and out their senses, out their vocal cords. And that's called Vedic cognition. And it sounds like chance. It is. I mean, you hear them to this day. I mean, you can go down to our temple right now and pundits down there reciting these Vedic cognitions that were cognized thousands of years ago by rishis, and they never lost it. They, we never forgot it. We passed it from generation to generation in, in schools called pundit schools for pundits. And they, they learned then to repeat what these the rishis cognized. And what these are then is that they're the uh, seed form of the knowledge of the totality of existence in the universe. Seed form of pure knowledge. Knowledge with a capital K. You see, it's a different kind of knowledge, you know. Uh, and the thing is, it's, it's vast. It's vast. And it's so vast, it's, you know, it, you can hear it. And you can say, okay, I get it, but it's so foreign to what we're really capable of grasping, capable of holding on to, that it tends to slip through our fingers. For example, it includes the knowledge, not just of the cycles of, you know, sunrise and sunset or the phases of the moon or what have you, but also the greater cycles of what's called yugas. Yugas last, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And as you know, the laws of nature, just what life is like at nighttime is very different than what life is like in daytime. Well, in each of the four yugas, life is very different. And these cognitions include that knowledge of what those different yugas were like. And it also includes um, technologies that 
work for each of those different yugas. There's one technology. Here's, here's an example. There's technology where if you hold your hands over your head for a thousand years or whatever, then you develop supernatural powers. Well, there are people in India to this day that have held their hands over their heads for so long that the circulation stopped and their arms are like two by fours. They can't use them. They're just like dead. You see them walking around. It's spooky looking. There are many of them, but they do exist. Right technique, perhaps, but wrong yuga. Hmm? Different laws of nature. And so what happens then if you've got all that stuff going on, plus you've got superstition, Scotty, like you were saying, you know, that things get distorted, they get misunderstood. And so you've got all that going on. And what happens then is somebody who doesn't really understand all that takes a look at it and says, oh, these, the Vedic stuff is crazy, man. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And look what the nutty things are these people are doing. Well, there's a reason for that. Because you see the language of Veda is the language of nature, right? And so it's subtle. It's sublime. It's uh, it's not a cookbook. You can't turn to page 365 of Vedic literature and read it and say, okay, now I know how to build an airplane. You know, the knowledge is there, but it's in language of nature. And the language of nature is incredibly different than the language of science and physics and technologies that we have today. Uh, you know, which is what? Basically, it's Newtonian physics, right? F equals MA, stuff like that. And what's really mind-blowing is that the language of the Veda, the language of nature, is what we call mantras. They're mantras. What is a mantra? A mantra is a seed form. It's it's like if you take a pencil and just really sharpen it to a tip, right where it touches into that deepest level of existence, but yet it's a seed form that births a certain principle, a certain value, a certain quality. And those seed forms, those little seed forms, are, and there are an infinite number of them really, are called mantras. And that's what the uh, Veda is composed of, is mantras. And then you have the mantras, which you kind of structure them together and you get brahmanas. And then the brahmanas go into aranikas. And, and, and the aranikas are uh, uh, like, the tech, it's more like a technological application. But still, it gets interesting. Uh, that all dwells within the transcendental level. It's not relativistic yet. It's not... It's a self-interacting dynamic, kind of like from the perspective of the world as we know it, it's, it's virtual, you know? Uh, kind of like if you look in a camera and you see the tree, you know, on a ground glass and the tree's upside down, it's not a tree in there, it's a virtual image. The tree is out there. But now the question becomes then, this stuff gets deep, sorry. But um, uh, the question then becomes, which is virtual? Well, according to the Vedic text, this is the virtual world. We live in the virtual world. And, and the real world, meaning the world that is not lost to illusion, the world that's not lost to, how do you say it, Scotty? Um, uh, distorted understanding, if you will, or limiting yeah. understanding. Uh, that's the world we live in, and that's 
that's called uh, uh, relativity. Uh, now, maybe you can talk about the importance of, you know, of uh, understanding that dynamic and how to bridge the gap or how to bring that, you know. Yeah, see, you know, see that's, yeah. that's right. That, that's the knowledge is there in the Veda. And, and contained within those seeds, you see, is, is the technology of an infinite number of different simultaneously valid but, but contradictory paradigms, you know? Uh, for, for example, now this is Vedic literature, but you got the Shiva Pranas and you got the Vishnu Pranas. The first sentence in the Shiva Pranas is, you know, Shiva is the greatest God, all the other gods bow down to Shiva. Then you read the Vishnu Pranas and no, Vishnu is the greatest God, all the other gods bow down to Vishnu. Which is it? Well, there's two boxes or three. There's, there's like, if you look at a kaleidoscope, you can see it might be the dance of three things, or it might be, if you look at it another way, it's a dance of the five colors that you see in there, or maybe it's a snowflake with eight branches, and so it's really a dance of eight. All those things existing simultaneously. And, and that knowledge, in fact, it is crystal. It's crystalline. Oh, there's so much I want to talk about. But, but at any rate, the structure of it is a crystalline structure, really. A very multifaceted crystal, but nevertheless crystalline in nature. In fact, the ninth word of the uh, Rig Veda is Ratna, means crystal. Anyway, uh, the point is, the, Scotty, then, that if you can tap into that level, and if you're free, then, of the limitations of the paradigm with which you've been indoctrinated, an infinite number of different paradigms become readily available. And that becomes then the gateway to very real practical technologies. How did they build those temples in India? How did they build the pyramids? How did they do all these things that you read about? And they're, and they're so incredible that it's like, oh, that can't be true. That's got to be mythology. Well, a lot of mythology is simply that mythology, but a lot of it isn't. And, and, the, and our ability to comprehend that from... The, the perspective of the one paradigm that we've been indoctrinated into, our ability then becomes very limited. Uh, uh, but, but that's what's happening now. We are moving past it. We're going through a transition. And, and a big part of that transition, what is a transition? A transition means change. People are starting to change the way they're thinking. We're looking at the world and, and our beliefs in the world, and we're realizing, you know what? It's not working, you know, but there are new things coming to the surface. And, and uh, it's, it's kind of like to get rid of, to, to, to embrace the new, you have to get rid of the old. And we're in that phase transition period right now. And it's scary because, you know, we've hung on to different worldviews. Uh, but but if, you, if you can get past that, you know, scary, oh, what's going to happen kind of thing. I think you, we, we realize that something great is happening. We're waking up. We're not going to keep hanging on to this, these limitations or these identities with these models that we created, like in that, what's the guy's name again, Scotty, in the video? These models that these oh, guys... Oh, screaming and... Yeah, that they create. Steven. And this, those are just basically ice cream you know, crystalline castles in the sky, like, you know, 
ice cream cones in the sky. They're not really based on anything other than where people go in their own heads. You know, it's not really connected to that transcendental basis. And it's there. The knowledge is there. It's in the Vedic cognitions, you know? Well, isn't it like for, for us to really like, I don't know, get things stabilized, all that. It's like, I keep coming back to everybody's got to take responsibility for cleaning your consciousness, you know, kind of thing, you know, cause everybody's let's blame it on Facebook. Let's blame it on the internet. Let's blame it on this. Let's yeah. blame it on that. Well, how about, you know, clear your understanding of how to interact with all this stuff and it'll be a, a lot better or I don't know. I mean, I'll be, I'll be real honest with you, Scotty. Uh, people have a hard time letting go of what they've been indoctrinated into and they can hear it. I mean, I give my lecture I and I think I've said this before, you know, I give my lectures and people jump up and cheer and say, Oh my God, I've been looking for this my whole life. And then they walk out the door of the lecture hall and you never see them again. They get caught up in the winds of karma, the winds of identity that they've been indoctrinated into. And it's done. So it, I guess the answer to that question is it's not so easy to do Scotty, you know, and we do offer the most powerful technique for the individual is meditation because okay. meditation frees the awareness. But if you're hanging on to a paradigm and you're resting into the transcendental level, but hanging on to the paradigm, uh, you're fighting your own progress, you know? It's uh, simple, not easy. <laughs> that's right. Meditation, proper meditation is simple. You just rest in your own true nature. Well, it could be easier than that. But it's it's not easy to, to 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 stick with it, and it's not easy to allow your awareness to um, uh, integrate with it. You know, we're just yeah. kind of frozen in our awareness. So so that's why um, there are these there are these guys that uh, uh, and. Uh, the, the greatest, the cosmic, they're architects, cosmic architects. And the, the greatest one, is, is, his name was Vishwakarman. Now, we can think of Vishwakarma as, as a person. And all these things have personified correlates. And that's really the point, is that these different mantras the, and, the, and the brahmanas and what the mantras structure and things, yeah, we can look at them as operators or we can look at them as functions. Like in mathematics, you have addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Uh, you can look at me right now as a bunch of electrons, protons, and neutrons, but that's not, not it. You know, when, when we look at another person, the way we really relate to it and the, and the way it becomes something real and meaningful and useful technologically even is the personified quality. When you talk to me, you're talking to a person. You're not talking to a bunch of electrons, protons, and neutrons. And that's the same with uh, 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 the nature of the essence of existence, the self-interacting dynamic of pure consciousness. It's all about personified qualities, personifications of the same one. You know, they in the Christian, they say Christ is the only way. Well, that's certainly true. But what is the Christ? The Christ is that one thing that self-interacts, but has many faces, you see. And, and so uh, uh, that's the technology. And, and what does it look like? Well, 
first we we go back to Vishwakarma and there's also Mamuni Mayan. Vishwakarma is like the principle. We could talk about the personified, but let's talk about the principle of what Vishwakarma is. It's the uh, structuring of the architecture of the universe. And it's the axioms, the rules, the principles of the physics of the structure of the nature of the universe. And then there's uh, Mamuni Mayan. Mamuni Mayan, you might say, is kind of like, uh, uh, I don't know how to say this best, but like the sidekick, associate of Vishwakarma. Vishwakarma being the, the cosmic architect of the universe, Mamuni Mayan is kind of more in charge of planet Earth. Okay, and the, and how then the technologies that he offers are the technologies of how to build a building, how to build a house, how to structure things in a manner that it's in harmony with nature, in harmony with the cosmos, re receives the support of that underlying harmonious, coherent intelligence of the unified field, you see, of the quantum mechanical level, if you want to put it in the Western terms. And, and, uh, uh, sometimes that's called Brahma Maya. Brahma's, you know, being the, the principle that brought forth that Vedic structure and understanding and emerged it into this universe. That's why they call Brahma the creator, you know. And Maya, Maya is the illusion. We already talked about it. This, this is the virtual image, you know. Uh, and, and that's called Maya, called illusion. So Brahma Maya. And, and uh, then they offer the technology then to do what? Scotty, you, you brought it up right at the very beginning of this podcast where uh, people get lost into their projections, into their identities, into their distorted understandings of this unfathomable nature of this universe, you know? And so what happens, and, and when they do that, they get off on crazy tangents and crazy kind of thinking, and it creates disharmony, conflicts, wars, poverty, everything. Uh, and, and, and as a whole system of, say, the planet gets out of balance, then we have horrible weather. We have all sorts of terrible things happen because why the world's out of whack. If it was all functioning in perfect harmony and perfect coherence, there would be abundance everywhere. You know, and there, and there wouldn't be all these horrible things happening. But uh, 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 so Mamuni Mayan now as a person, the personified aspect, offered these aspects of the Veda called Vedic cognitions of how to build a structure that radiates out the value of that coherence to the whole planet and 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 and, uh, and the environment and harmonizes it, brings the coherence back, regenerates it, uh, clears the cobwebs of the distortions and confusions and all like that. And it's it's a science. It's a science. You know, there's this thing in uh, one one word in Vedic uh, literature is called apurva. Apurva is kind of like you know we have cause and effect. Uh, for every action, there's an equal but opposite reaction, that kind of thing. The whole world of karma, it's all cause and effect. And uh, But if you have a cause and then you have the effect, there's something that connects them. It's like a substrate, and uh, and that's called a, a purva. It's like a medium. It's sort of like 
if you were if we were a bunch of fish, the water in the fishbowl would be the apurva, and the apurva then can be crystal clear, and so everything flows harmoniously and beautifully, or it can be muddy and gunked up, and uh, and so what happens then with Vedic technology as the apurva gets see clarifies the apurva, clarifies the akash space, you know. And, and by virtue of that, then the whole nature of cause and effect comes back into harmony. Uh, whereas if it's all gunky and stuff, you know, not good things happen, you know. So, so uh, <clears throat> uh, there's so much to talk about. But what we're doing here at Mount Soma, believe, I mean, this is incredible, really, because they're not really readily available. But... Uh, uh, we came upon a Vedic architect in South India, wonderful man, who has the cognitions of how to build a unified field generator. And it's a, it's a Vedic, a Vedic temple. And it adheres very carefully to the precise parameters of how, how it needs to be done. That's why the temple here at Mount Soma, it's a Vedic temple. And, and, you know, the details of how to build a cell phone, it's got to be done just right or it's not going to work. And the principles of a Vedic temple is the same. So we're very diligent about honoring the nature of existence and, and the methodology of the technology to build something like that that actually works. Well, Mamuni Mayan also in his cognitions has the... Uh, um, technology of how to build an enlightened city and an enlightened city is they're all crystals you know so you have a temple it's a crystalline structure it radiates but an enlightened city is way more powerful crystalline structure that radiates an influence that can transform a whole continent uh and so that's what we're about that's what we're building here and it's all based on vedic technology it's all based on cognitions it's all based on the nature of existence and, and uh, the technology then is th there and available if we can free ourselves from the limitation of our own awareness, you see, and start to function from that level. We need to be humble about Vedic literature. Uh, there was a guy, his, his name was Brigu. He was a great saint, great uh, Rishi. Uh, and Brigu, um, it's like, see, Every word, think about it, every syllable, every mantra is pregnant with the knowledge of the totality. And so all these different Vedic shlokas and things, you can, it's, it's, it's like you can slice through a pie a million different ways and see a bunch of different images when you look at the cross section, you know, it's different. It's like picture Jasper, if you know what that is, you know. And, and uh, uh, Brigu then, took the Veda and, and just to give it an expression, you know, kind of took one slice through the pie. Uh, and so people who, he was great. People loved him. They honored him. He was this great being. Uh, but for that, he got the title butcher of the Veda. Uh, it sounds derogatory, but it wasn't meant to be. It's a little bit like one line in um, ninth mandala. Uh, it's beautiful. He says, uh, flow Soma in a most sweet and exhilarating stream for Indra to drink. Beautiful. So, so many. Uh, and we can take it in a very superficial way, in a very literal sense. Okay, there's this stream, it's, it's got Soma, and this guy named Indra drinks it, 
where does that get you? But if you can touch into the feeling of it and the implications of it, there we've got something that's talking about a mechanic of creation that applies to all levels of life, all aspects of life uh, on its most sublime level. You know, Soma is like, uh, Soma is kind of like cosmic WD-40. It's, it's the, um, the uh, devotional, harmonious, um, smooth flowing. That's why we call it Mount Soma. You know, we're building a mountain of Soma here. It, it's, it's, it's the thing that keeps the gears flowing beautifully, you know. Uh, but all aspects of Vedic, I don't know how good that is. Did that make sense, Scotty? It kind of, yeah. You know, that's just like one slice through the pie of what that line flows home in the most street and street, and street uh, means, you know? Yeah. So anyway, well, like, go ahead. Well, you were, you talked about in the past, just how, you know, every point contains the knowledge of, of everything. So yeah. you, but if you're just taking one slice of it, you know, you're really, yeah. Doing yeah. You're, you're compromising it, but at the same yeah. time, you're giving some expression of it. And at the right. same time, if, if, if you listen to those, we'll call them translations, they go in and they touch that place of deeper knowing inside if you allow them to. And so it awakens you up to that transcendental level, even though you're going into it from you know, just right. one slice through that exquisite pie. <laughs> But but don't don't mistake the the entirety for exactly. that one slice. Boy, and you just said it right there because you know if we're not careful, uh, then if we study you know uh, comparative religion at a university, that's what they end up doing. Uh, I'm not saying they all do, but that's a predisposition, you know, and it just really compromises. Uh, Right. The, the potential of the knowledge, you know, and that's what the the scientists do, the physicists do, the you know. It's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, in yeah. physics, to describe the movement of an electron from this point to this point would require equations that cover the wall of a house. You know, uh, it's not a very efficient language, but right. but, but there's technologies in Vedic the Vedic technologies the. And those things are called like, they look like ceremonies, havans, um, uh, pujas, um, and, and there's a very sophisticated science. I mean, the knowledge of these things is vast, you know? Modern science, the science that we know is just one little small portion of, of Vedic knowledge. It is in there, uh, but it's one small portion of the greater whole of Vedic knowledge. Uh, and so the technologies that are available goes so far beyond our current comprehension. And that is our future. And I think this transition we're going through, it's, it's a wake up call. We're gonna be like, you know what? The, the path we've been on and creating these intellectual crystalline castles in the sky of what the universe is like, and now we've got the answers, that's crumpling away. And it can be frightening, but it's leading to a really wonderful place. And if you just watch the news now, I mean, my goodness, the crystal castles that people are building and how they think the universe works and what they think it means to be, what, a good person or, you know, it's it's all based on intellectual constructs from ivory towers, you know? Yeah. Well, that was making me think of uh, the swastika and what that's really about, like, oh, right? That's good. 
Is it? Or, yeah, um, that's good, Scotty. Because those are all the limbs that are bringing everything to coherence, everything. I don't know. Yeah, think about, you know, people hear swastika, what do they think? Hitler and terrible things. But the, the swastika is actually a Vedic symbol that represents a very deep mechanic and a very deep understanding of existence. Uh, and we could talk about that sometime, but that's a whole other principle. I mean, every one of these things we've talked about today go in a million different directions and we could talk about them on and on and on. But the purpose of this podcast, I think, and hopefully we did it was to kind of give an overview, a basic picture, some little fundamental structure of a huge, vast, incredible knowledge. Uh, and hopefully we succeeded in doing it. And uh, Scotty, if there's nothing else, I think that's enough for yeah. uh, today. And we'll talk with you all again next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>